just released the HIV vaccine trial teaches us a lesson. And this is a lesson that I want many people to understand that hasn't been learned from other vaccine trials. See, this trial right here, like I mentioned in other videos about the vaccine trials where they actually used a real placebo. See, many vaccine trials don't use a true placebo, an inert substance, something that would not help or harm. See, they use something that they know is harmful, such as aluminum adjuvants in the HPV vaccine safety trials. They used HPV, or they used aluminum versus the whole HPV vaccine. So aluminum is a known neurotoxin. Aluminum is an immune stimulant. It causes autoimmune conditions. It causes chronic fatigue. It causes Asia syndrome. Using a placebo is actually something needed to see whether a vaccine works or not. Sadly, though, things like the HPV vaccine, the safety data to see if it's safe, was actually using an aluminum adjuvant that is known to cause autoimmune conditions, severe pain, myalgias, muscle pain, joint arthralgias or arthritic pains, chronic debilitating pain conditions, and autoimmune disorders, and brain damage in children. So we know the aluminum adjuvant. That's a fact, folks we know the aluminum adjuvant causes that harm. So that was the placebo in the safety trial of HPV vaccine versus the entire vaccine, which also contains H the, uh, the virus as well as the aluminum adjuvant. So whole vaccine versus part of the vaccine. Oh, look, only a slight increased number of autoimmune conditions and serious adverse events was seen in the whole vaccine versus the partial vaccine. That's not a pl true placebo-controlled trial. Therefore, the harms are far greater than when they're leading people to believe. That is fraudulent research right there. Again, the studies that actually used a placebo or non-treatment at all group, a group of children and individuals never receiving the flu vaccine versus groups of children receiving the flu vaccine, 300% more illness in the children receiving the flu vaccine versus the group that didn't receive. So healthier children in the unvaccinated versus the vaccinated. That is what we know from the few studies in childhood vaccines or influenza vaccines we know that the unvaccinated are healthier than the vaccinated when they actually don't vaccinate or don't give something harmful to the, quote, placebo group. Read the eight hepatitis B vaccine insert. You'll find that they actually used as a placebo two shots rather than three. Huh? Two shots versus three. Three shots, two shots. Two shots was considered the placebo three shots was considered the treatment. And because there was, quote, only a slight increase, again, of adverse reactions, it was considered safe. So using an actual placebo in this HIV vaccine trial teaches us lessons. The double-blind trial of candidate therapeutic vaccine against HIV, which found no discernible benefit from the product relative to placebo. Indeed, that's one of the lessons. The placebo control remains an important part of clinical studies, according to lead investigator Anthony Fossey, MD, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Then I would beg and plead with Dr. Anthony, please, please, please 
ask the question to the vaccine manufacturers and our U.S. government, our pediatricians, in our American Academy of Pediatrics, our AMA, ask them this one simple question. If the placebo group was so important to show that the HIV vaccine didn't work and was in fact the statistical significance wasn't large enough to say that it was harmful, but the unvaccinated did better than the vaccinated. Ask those organizations, ask our medical physicians in the United States this one simple question. If the placebo is important enough for that research, why is it important enough in our childhood vaccines? <coughs> Results from the vaccine arm of the study appearing in science traditional medicine, translational medicine, I apologize, were so good. The results were so good. So good, so good, so good. My hat fell apart. I mean, they were so good in the vaccine arm, were so good that the absence of a placebo group, the researchers would have assumed, and you know what happens when you do that, incorrectly on the basis of historical data. Major point to be made there, that the drug had worked. So what do they use to say that the vaccines right now in the United States work for our children? Whooping cough which when you read all the just whooping cough outbreak, just Google it and then read the actual article and then tell me how more people are infected because if they're vaccinated, more vaccinated are ill. More, only individuals vaccinated with mumps are getting ill from mumps. Individuals dying from meningitis after they received the meningitis vaccine. It's just on the basis of historical data. They use historical data to sit there and say, hey, look, vaccines work. Because before the vaccine, guess what? Before the vaccine, the rates went down. Or the, before the vaccine, all these illnesses. After the vaccine, illnesses went down. See, look, the vaccines work, right? Absence of placebo is important with this, but not in our children for some reason. Single-arm study of the candidate therapeutic vaccine. Folks, the point I need to, I, I better reword that. So the reason historical data cannot be used to say that vaccines are causing this decline in infectious illnesses is simple. Because the historical data showed us that the illnesses of measles, whooping cough, mumps, historical data showed us that mumps was basically harmless. Same thing with measles statistically. We're now seeing statistical evidence that the risk of developing seizures coming from British Medical Journal, I'll bring this information to you probably in the next week or so. British Medical Journal and Physicians for Informed Consent coming forward and reporting on research that showed more children would develop seizures after being vaccinated for the measles or the MMR with the MMR vaccine. More children would have seizure disorders and epilepsy than if they were allowed to get natural infection. So the vaccine doing more harm. But we've seen historical data showed that the decline in these infectious illnesses, such as measles, was gone almost. 98% decline in mortality and severe illness from the measles before the vaccine was available. So something had already declined by 98%. How in the world can we give credit to the vaccine for doing much of anything at all.
but that's how they use it. They see a decline. They implement a vaccine once it's already gone. And with their smoke and mirrors and generations of repeated lies on media, we go from the Brady Bunch laughing and being a comedy routine about the whole family getting measles and being lucky enough to stay home from school for a couple of days. We go from comedy to now because of the number of lies and repetition of their lies, we now see that people are scared of measles. When it used to be funny to joke about it when you got the measles. A single-arm study of a candidate therapeutic vaccine combined with the histone deacetylase inhibitor showed that about 38% of HIV-positive volunteers were able to control their virus for a median of 14 weeks with a out ART drugs. But Fossey's group noted that in the trial, 40% of the placebo patients would have met the same benchmark. So benchmark meaning that their HIV didn't replicate and build up again as fast. They went into remission or they didn't have HIV replication. So 38%, only 38% only of the vaccinated group. Meanwhile, 40%, so not much, but 2% better in the unvaccinated. So it was better to be unvaccinated. Although they said it was not statistically significant. So in terms of research, you couldn't really say that the vaccine was more harmful by this. But it's ironic that the numbers actually say that it was, in essence, in this situation, more harmful to receive the vaccine. In certain cases, the scientific and general community might feel that the use of any one or more of these clinical trial constraints is not ethically justified, meaning to not actually use a placebo would be unethical. Again, a major lie and argument by the mainstream medical community wishing to push vaccines fraudulently on this population and all, all of us is that they say it's unethical to not give a vaccine. So what do they do? You know what? We're going to try and see if our, our polio vaccine is safe. So, in, so we're going to give a polio vaccine to this group, Let's just take it for the, the perfect example of complete fraud. The fact that the HPV vaccine safety trial used, again, an aluminum adjuvant. It's a brand new vaccine. Nobody's gotten it before. It is completely unethical to inject something into people so that you can cause autoimmune cases so that the number of autoimmune cases in the full vaccine group is only slightly higher so that then you can publish your research not explaining to people properly that you used an aluminum adjuvant known to cause serious harm as the placebo. You just put in the trial and in the vaccine packet, you just put placebo. Thus, the majority of medical physicians won't even take the time to research into it. What was the placebo? They call it a placebo in the vaccine packet many a times. Information packet. They'll call it a placebo. But by definition, a placebo cannot help or harm. Therefore, they lied to you because their quote-unquote placebo was something that can harm you. That is unethical for I'm reason the medical community thinks it'd be unethical to not give something. It's unethical if we just harm these people and don't harm the placebo group. It would be really unethical if we don't treat each group 
completely unethical. Somehow that's ethically correct. But not using them can lead to wasted effort, even incorrect and dangerous conclusions about the efficacy of a given intervention, he stated. Yes, not using a placebo can skew the results in showing that your vaccine is not beneficial but actually harmful. Mild to moderate transient symptoms such as fatigue, myalgia, arthralgia. So people who were vaccinated had mild to moderate transient long-standing symptoms such as fatigue, chronic fatigue, we're seeing a lot more of that these days in age, myalgia, severe muscle pain, chronic muscle pain, and chronic joint pain. Sounds like the beginning stages of an autoimmune condition, doesn't it? Oh, that's right, vaccines cause autoimmunity, so it's probably what the beginning stages are, so they just don't carry out long enough over the lifetime of somebody to actually see that this trial actually caused autoimmune conditions in people. Meanwhile, it actually harmed them and made their viruses spread more rapidly than people who didn't receive the vaccine. No grade three or higher events related to the injections were judged related. So there were grade three or higher events that took place the way I read that stuff, I hate it when drag com drug companies get to do their own research and then can sit there and say, we didn't see any grade three really severe reactions, you know, like SIDS. Like one of the DTP or DTAP vaccine safety studies actually had a child da die the night of his vaccine and experts ruled it unrelated to the vaccine. They the child just happened to die in a study the night of his vaccine, but then somehow judges, as they're trying to see if the vaccine's harmful or not or safe, and he just judged that was not related to the vaccine. I don't know what causes SIDS, but it wasn't the vaccine. It's amazing how many smart people are able to say that something can't be caused by something for which they don't know what causes that something. No grade three was related to the injections, judged to be related. On the other hand, uh, there was also no sign of efficacy. Similarly, in the median time to more than 400 copies, it was 28 days in the vaccine arm to 30 days in the placebo arm. So placebo people were healthier longer. Not many days, but a little bit. Importantly, they found that 26% of, of participants in the placebo arm had sustained HIV suppression to fewer than 400 copies per milliliter after they stopped their drug, a rate markedly higher than previously purported. What's unique about this is the fact that they're saying that people could sustain very low amounts of HIV virus in their blood. So marked suppression of that viral replication despite being on no drugs was much higher than previously reported numbers. So I'm really kind of curious if the drug companies were lying in the past about people in the placebo arm that were still healthy despite not being on drugs, so they made the numbers statistically look lower. Why is this somehow suddenly so much better? My brain's all over the place, folks. I apologize, but that's, that's my brain. I'm like, I'm like, that's unique. Researchers noted that the study also adds the evidence that the key to a successful therapeutic vaccine will be its ability to stimulate CD8 positive T cell responses, which go back to my flu vaccine research rants. We'll call them that. 
the flu vaccine suppresses an individual's capability of mounting a proper immune response to other viral strains, future vaccines, and it lowers your CD8 T cell responses. So your ability to fight off and ward off an infection is measured, they're saying here, by your CD8 T cells. It's important that you have proper CD8 T cell responses. Meanwhile, somehow the medical community is disregarding all the massive evidence we have, peer-reviewed medical studies that show that CD8 T cell responses are suppressed and weaker in individuals who get the flu vaccine. So somebody who doesn't get the flu vaccine has a better response of the measurement they're saying here is necessary the cells that are necessary for fighting off a viral replication. Ironic, isn't it? In this study, they saw little augmentation of CD8 T cell responses, so little improvements in your immune response. So. Folks, it's ironic. We're not going to go through this one in complete detail, but definitely get it because the HIV vaccine research is distraught with fraud and misconduct. HIV researcher found guilty of research misconduct and was sentenced to prison. Dr. Han, a former Iowa State University biomedical researcher who last week was sentenced to prison for 57 months, almost five years for falsifying results of HIV vaccine. Thank God he went to jail for lying and potentially harming people. But get this, he used animal blood to make his vaccine appear effective. So when is Merck? Folks, just Google it if you don't believe me. When is Merck going to jail? They've been stonewalling the courts for up to 10 years or more now. For 30-plus years, Merck has lied to the U.S. government and lied to physicians and lied to the American people that their mumps vaccine does not work. They used animal blood to make it appear as if the vaccine worked. And those are whistleblowers who work for Merck. Blowing the whistle saying they lied. No wonder all our college students are coming down with the mumps. Why are we giving more profits to them when they're lying to us? And it's fact they lied. We have confessions. See, using animal blood, if they've been caught twice now, using animal blood to make vaccines look effective. You know what, when a liar lies to you and they do it repetitively, oftentimes you're not going to be able to realize every single time they lie to you. You might catch them once or twice, a few times. But the reality is this, folks. They are lying to us far more than these two times. How many other vaccines are on the market right now that are not effective because the vaccine manufacturers and drug companies successfully lied and hid their data and had no researchers willing to confess because they're big fat paychecks. All right, folks, we got to share the truth. Share the truth. Don't just like it because that is the only way we save lives. I hope this information was beneficial for you. Again, I hope and pray that it is received by individuals who need to hear it so that they can see that we got to get people out of the shackles of this corruption and lies and deceit that is the pharmaceutical industry.